What's up, gamers? This is Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 37. Hexed Breaching the Nether Maze. Uh, for anyone that isn't familiar, this is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers, their annual journey to the Nova Open. We're still excited that that's happening uh, this year, but we're not quite holding our breath yet. Uh, playing games that we love and balancing life with those games. Tonight, uh, I am joined by Trace Hyde. What's up, what's up? Jason Table New Murray. Are you sure it's episode 37 or you want to start again? No, just the second start is, is all okay. I need. Is all um, you need. Yep. And I am Jared Johnson, and uh, we're pretty excited about tonight's episode because they just announced today that we are going to get not one, not two, but three new war bands up for pre-order next Sunday uh, in the Nether Maze uh, corset box and the Exile Dead. And in this weekend's White Dwarf, there's a new Rivals deck. Uh, so a lot of uh, content to cover. Uh, so in this episode, we'll walk through the, the Maze Breachers Rivals deck that's featured in White Dwarf 475, I believe. It's a whole lot of mazes and breaching mazes and, and breaching, yep. Breaching those nethers. Um, and then, you know, we're just going to give our off-the-cuff reactions to uh, to the, the new corset, uh, the sculpts. Uh, what we can see from that and uh yeah but before we do that it's always good to catch up with what everybody's been up to so trace is on camera i can see him fiddling with some hobby stuff what you been up to trace you shut your mouth um i have been painting and i have been hobbying pretty hard on um i think i talked about a few episodes ago um working on a madripoor themed Marvel Crisis Protocol board. And what I'm doing currently, for those who are listening or watching via radio, I guess you could say, is I'm creating some HVAC units to put on the top of my Madripoor buildings made, made from some scraps from other bits of games that we've got. So I've been doing that. And then I finished painting Craven the Hunter, posted it on the Facebook page, and I think Jared linked it through the Twitter page as well. Um, he was a lot of fun to paint. Lots of fur textures and freehand and nonsense that I just proceeded to cover up with blank ink. So fun stuff. Nice. Yeah, that is good. What about you? Uh, yeah, so continuing the path of, of painting up uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures, I wrapped up. Baron Zemo right before we started recording tonight. So of all of the Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures that I own, I only have one left to paint, and that's Dr. Octopus. So I think nice. since the last time we recorded, trying to get myself caught up here, um, I have built uh, a squad of Corsairs, all with shuriken rifles, uh, so that you know, when we never play 40k again, I have an actual usable unit of them. But also it helps me build out a roster for kill team so that I can sub out uh, dudes with rifles for that. Uh, and then I have painted Gambit, Rogue, Spider-Man, Red Skull, Black Widow, Crossbones, and like I just mentioned, uh, Baron Zemo. So uh, yeah, I've been trying to put some work in, um, trying to finish up these Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures so that my Hobby queue is clear for the three warbands that I'm going to get in two weeks. 
I thought I was doing good getting caught up, but uh, here we are. Jason? <laughs> um, yeah, a lot. I mean, exciting stuff. A lot has, has been going on. Um, you know, for me, hobby has been a little bit of a struggle. So some of you guys have had open open days to play and I haven't been able to join um, because of just scheduling. Uh, you know, I missed even I missed a Monday. I'm going to miss this coming Monday, uh, which would be a, our every two week kind of play session. Um, missed some, Oh, I missed a Thursday with Danny last week. Yeah. So in the reason for that, I think in the last episode we talked about I'm a broker arm rollerblading. Um, you know, so there was one year trip to set it one year trip to um, put six screws in a plate into her arm. Um, and then, of course, some d- follow-up doctor visits, missed time from work, so I haven't even catch that up. And then it was last week. They're all running together. All I know is within 31 days, 31 days, all of this happened. Um, uh, then Aiden fell into a um, dresser like they were messing around before bath time, so my little son fell into kind of – it's more of an end table like um, – and uh, split his ear open, so we went back to the ER for that. Um, and then that following Wednesday, we had a pipe rupture in our wall and uh, flood our kitchen and bathroom and garage. And um, yeah, that w- that that took some uh, some more days worth of work away, um, as well as like just trying to get that up. So. Uh, everything everything will be fine, but it has put a crimp in my hobby style and getting games in, um, you know. But I still have been very active in that. Uh, I picked up the one unit, so I I've kind of finalized my list for Nova on Marvel Crisis Protocol. I'm playing Avengers. No shock there. Um, I did send Thor off to get painted, so that'll be the only model that I feel that isn't painted by me and it's just because I'm afraid to paint Thor because he's my favorite character um, but then I picked up Nick Fury because Nick Fury is going to round out my my um, um, list and I put him together the other night as well as I had to reassemble not one, not two, not three not four, not five not six, but seven MCP models because I was trying to be a good father and I was on a conference call Um, for work and my son was playing in the room and broke seven mcp models oh Um, no luckily there was i mean there was some damage to like um hella like one of her horns is just gone um but it's okay her head was completely torn off so at least i found the head put the head back on and then uh what's the guy from black order that throws stuff with his mind um, Ebony Maw. Yes. Ebony Maw uh, was ripped off his base, and that one took a little bit of, you know, hobbying up. But he's back on the base, and you know, he's not the same kind of build as everybody else. But it, it's fine. Like he, you wouldn't notice it if you if I didn't tell you that his rocks sit a little to the left and on the the piece of metal. Um, yeah, so that was fun. Um, you know, other than that, just super excited for all the stuff that's out for for Underworlds. Um, really excited to, you know, hopefully chat about some of the stuff that's going out in the community out there right now. It seems like there's a lot of uh, growing, um, 
steam behind certain formats. Um, and then just the, you know, the, the Adepticon aftermath, like I've played a lot of decks, tried a lot of decks, um, from, from that, that whole tournament. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on both personally and, uh, in games, but I'm sorry, gentlemen, I've missed four play, play dates. Like I'm a little kid. I missed four play dates. I know it's two, sad. Two scheduled one with Danny and then trace had a day where we could have played, but I just had missed too much work, so I could not not yeah. squeeze that out. So, all okay. right, man, we'll get a man. Oh, but another cool note is you know we read to the kids every night at at bath time, and forever I've been trying to start one of those little they're like the younger kids Warhammer books. Sure. And I, I we got a sampler. I want to say it was at Nova because it's it 2019, yep. where it's a Lifestone. It's like yeah. a AOS one, and Emma loves it. So now i got to track down the full book because um, we read that the other night. It's only like th- three chapters and a prologue, and she was in it. She's like, this is awesome. So Is that the one that follows the uh, – it, it starts the little girl. She's like a slave in Akshi. Yes. I, I have that. I can, oh, you have the whole book? I do. I tried it. My son was not as interested. So I can flip it to you. That would be fantastic. In the meantime, so, um, yeah. Did you read it to him, or did he? Try I did. To read it I did read it to him, yeah. And I it just didn't capture him. I guess I don't know. It's fine. I'll, there I are some. There are some points, even in the the little thing that I was like, oh, this might be like Skaven appear in it. So I was like, oh, this could this could be like late night craziness. Yeah. And uh, no, she liked it. So. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's you know, great. It's, it's pretty cool. I uh, so I showed uh, I showed my son and daughter the painted Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures, and then my daughter said, "Hey, Dad, can I play with Captain Marvel?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> so she did. She took she took Captain Marvel into her room, and I don't know what they were doing, but they were playing or whatever. And you know, I just gently reminded her. You know, like, hey, just remember, she's not like a real toy. She's like a figure. So you just got to be careful with her. And so she was like she, she, they were playing, doing something. She was attacking some people and flying around and rescuing people. Uh, as I overheard it, as I was straightening up my office, and I could hear them across the hall. And she, you know, they had to go downstairs to get ready for the day or whatever. And I'm like, hey, Adam, can I have Captain Marvel back? And she's like, oh, yeah, Dad, here she is. And she like picks him, picks her up by the base carries her by the base and hands her back to me. I'm like, I taught you well. <laughs> I'm so really proud. Cool. That's really cool. Uh, but I have I have had I've lost zombies and skeletons to my children, uh letting them play with them. So <laughs> I knew it was gonna be bad. Like he had a he had a truck and he was just Yep. That'll do know, just slamming into stuff and just didn't want to yell, just breathe. And I, I guess I just, you know, one, I'm fortunate enough where I could, if something was really, really messed up, I could just get another one. They weren't painted. If they were painted, it would have been a different story. Sure. And, um, but I'd rather him play with them and enjoy playing with them. So in the future, hopefully he gets hooked. So yep. it's the Feel same that. thing with all, all my, McFar- all my McFarland toys. I would not, uh, would have not opened, but, he wanted them open 
and uh, they were like submerged in Play-Doh the other day. So nice. I had to like get Play-Doh out of a sister yeah. battle and a space marine. <laughs> nice, but he was playing. It was with a the heroes of the Imperium. So that's fine. Hard to be mad about that. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that covers it. We we do have our our Monday play group. Uh, I should be able to go, and I've reached out to a couple of the other local gamers, uh, and they're planning on showing up too. So hopefully, we'll get some Underworlds in there, uh, and, I, and we can build the hype for the for the new semi semi season core set, whatever they're calling it, and the new Warband. So, well, you know, carry the torch, Jason. Well, Keep I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, but I guess, yeah, I guess with that, we'll uh, we'll take a break here, and when we come back, we will talk about breaching the maze. With the Maze Breachers Rivals deck. And we're back. And here we are with, you know what? This is a historic moment. Not only in White Dwarf do we have a new Rivals deck, but I got my White Dwarf on time. The day it came out. I think that's more groundbreaking than anything. It is. It is, because normally it's a couple couple weeks late. It's about a week and a half, two weeks late, which is fine. But this one I was very glad because, you know, they, they have a glory point section in almost every White Dwarf. But this one I'm super, super excited to talk about because, you know, the Dave talks about, Dave Sanders writes an article and talks about a brand new Rivals deck and also talks about Rivals in general, like why, you know, it was created and kind of where it lives in the world of of Underworlds, he calls it the Invisible Walls. A little shout back to a card from season one. Um, you know, Jared, you read the whole article. Like, yeah. What What were your thought on his thoughts of you know three paragraphs of Invisible Walls? Yeah. So, um, you know, he he kind of opens the article and um, talking about talking about yeah. So like, there's a section in the article called Invisible Walls, and he basically says, um. You know, it's a deck building game, but deck building is not for everyone uh, and it can be challenging for new players. And I mean, that's certainly been our experience. And one of our favorite things about Beastgrave was that you could open the box and there were faction specific decks because the I think that Shadespire and Nightbolt had starter decks for both warbands. But if you didn't keep those cards together or like write them down in some fashion or form, once you like reorganize your cards or put them in number order or whatever you did suddenly that information was lost beast grave starting with beast grave you had a 32 card deck with the warband faction symbol on them and that has been the trend moving forward and we loved it because we could sit new players down and say look you don't have to build anything these are the wild hunt cards these are the gashrak despoilers cards and we can just play a game and then they announced it as a, a an actual format, and it's been great because now you don't have to build a deck to play the game. Um, and then the other thing that he called out was the fact that uh, in the championship format, where you have you know multiple seasons worth of universal cards available, and that can, I mean, that's numbering what? I mean, where are we in the universal card pool right now? Five hundred plus. Yeah, it's like five or six hundred by the time everything yeah, but, was rolled out. So. Yeah, it's. It, it means that if a newer player sits down across the table from a veteran player and they haven't bought everything, but the veteran player has, then now they're able to build 
you know, probably a more efficient, stronger deck. Uh, and I mean, and that's another challenge to playing Underworlds. And or a returning player. Or a returning player in Trace's case, where maybe he hasn't been caught up, or he's bought everything because he loves the models, but he hasn't read through all the cards. Um, and that's where he jumps into the next section, which is subtitled Open Shuffle Play. Yeah, which, you know, he like basically just break, breaks it down into the fact that you build your your models and you grab their deck and you're on the table playing. And that's where Rivals has lived for us. It's what's kind of jazzed up, you know, our scene. And, you know, the this deck, um, this Maze Breachers, really brings it home to me because, like, now we've seen Silent Menace, Illusory Might, maze breachers we have the essentials you know deck and plus all the warband decks so now it's really starting to gain momentum and there's like a lot of content and different things there so i'm not just stuck playing whatever whatever warband deck it is you know like maybe maybe i'm playing um canaan's reapers and i want to try something different like i have options now um or and it also as a veteran player allows me to scale. Like maybe I want to play Crushes, which are, you know, doing very well in Rivals because of their wound count, but I want to play it on hard mode, so I use the Silent Menace deck, right? So, um, you know, like and I just you know to to close out the article before we get into the deck, like he, he goes on to break down all the 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 current Rivals decks there are. He gives tips on you know what the design philosophy is behind the deck and then warbands to use and just really good tips it's probably one of the better articles that i've read on um in the white dwarf for glory points um but then yeah like like let's just jump into maze breachers as a rival deck so again this is a universal rival deck and the cool thing about this is it is built from harrow deep cards so this is you know a 12 10 10 deck 12 objectives 10 gambits and um, 10 upgrades that are pulled from the universal pool, universal pool, universal pool of Harrow Deep and Black Powder's Buccaneers Universals. So yep. that is really cool. If you bought in, you now have another deck. Yep. And then you can, so now you can walk backwards and pick a warband out. And now you have other options for playing that warband, uh, which is awesome. Um, we're not going to run through all of the card names here, but there will be a link both in the show notes and the blog that accompanies this article or this episode um, to the deck list. Um, it'll be an Underworlds DB deck list for anyone that isn't familiar. Shameless plug here. It's probably our favorite deck building site, but we're going to end up stop using it, I guess, because we're just going to play Rivals all the time. But <laughs> on the rare occasion that we do play something in the championship format, uh, you know, it's it's our go-to tool, but there are others out there that are available. So wait, you're telling me that the cards that you already own, if you bought those three things, those two things, yep, you now have basically a free deck for you to use? You do. In this format, yes. Yep. Holy... Yep. All you have to do is, yeah, just... Take the cards and put them in order, just like you would anything else. Well, that's just wonderful. We that's like value. it. That's value. It is value. Good job, GW. I know, right? 
<laughs> Tip of the hat to them. And yeah. you, know, you know what, Trace? It's not just, uh, you know, a free rule set or a free deck. You know, when I say free, like, be, you have you have paid for, you know, the, the two packs that they're built out of. Right. I, what I mean is, it's the same thing as you buying kill team rules for all of your 40k models that you already owned yes essentially so like you're you're just netting more value out of your things that you already bought which is great correct yeah and the cool thing is is this deck is no slouch either like i you know my initial pass over the deck is it's it's functional and it builds through certain uh, synergies and some cool play styles. So with that, oh, actually, before we jump into the top objectives, Jared, and we'll just run down our thing like we normally do. Yep. What are your guys' thoughts of, like, additional content through White Dwarf? Because we've seen this in other games, and sometimes it's like, oh, it's great, but then you're chasing a White Dwarf. Like, what is your thoughts here? Um, I think it's, I think it's a good way to expand again on things that, may not have may not be up for formal renewal for a while so if we're looking at it from like kill team perspective right um you took something that was in a compendium and now mind you the um <clears throat> some of those compendium kill teams have now been like replaced entirely with these with these um white dwarf editions which I don't really love because if you missed out and you missed that particular issue of the white dwarf, then if somebody asks you to produce the paper copy of that thing to use it at a tournament or whatever, that's going to be kind of hard, but it is, I, I, I like it personally um, because typically the average GW consumer is probably going to be checking the warmer community page fairly often not like every day but often enough to where you would probably see that there is something in this issue of white dwarf that you might want to pick it up if you're looking to expand on something that you have so yeah. i i like it i think it's a good way to in to inject some again more value for things that you might already own so, like for example, I have Admech in the in the cabinet over there. I bought the white dwarf that had the kill the hunter clade, and now I have a fully functional kill team with all the bells and whistles of the ones that came in like the Nachman box and stuff. So, yeah. I think it's cool. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah. So I think it's a good way to. Um... Because you, I think you you touched on this briefly. I think it's a good way to keep uh, certain rule sets more in line with uh, you know the latest releases without having to release a whole battle tome or codex. Um, they've done it for several Age of Sigmar armies to kind of bring them more in line with the current design space. The Ossiarch Bone Reapers got an update in a in a White Dwarf that gave them some additional rules. Uh, I think that you know matter in the current state of age of sigmar they've also released you know sub faction rules in white dwarfs for 40k um i mean the 
Tyranid army that was, for lack of a better word, you know, crushing tournaments. I, I see what you did there. Good job. The Crusher Stampede was released in a White Dwarf. Um, <laughs> right? I'm not crazy about that. No, you're right. Yeah, because, I mean, I know there are other armies of renown that were released in other campaign books, but um, like it, it's just a it's a it's a cool way to add to the design space to keep certain factions in line or up to date when, you know, maybe their roadmap for an update is further down the road. And I like that this pattern will now exist for Warhammer Underworlds, where you can get more bang for your buck and get more styles of play based on owning a white dwarf. And I mean, this isn't the first time they've done it for Underworlds. To, actually, I mean, we had the Gargan. Right? Yeah. That was that was the first thing that we did. And that was, a, that, I mean, it's a heck of fun way to play this game. Yes. Um, the only thing I'll say about the Gargan is, is how many times have we busted out the Gargan? I mean, that's, yeah, fair. Yeah. This is a very different and much more tangible um, injection of content for this game and yeah. it makes me happy for the underworlds community um and as somebody who has those cards and is playing rivals primarily now now i have a whole nother set of cards that i can use so like i can just bust that deck out and just run with it yeah um or in rivals plus like there's some decent cards in that deck that you could just inject in some you know, if you're playing the Rivals Plus format. Um, no, I think I think it's a much it is a much more realistic um expansion on the game. Yeah. Over the Gargant. Or the there was another yeah. one that they did too. The um, the FOMO. The FOMOroid Crusher. There was a couple. There's FOMO the Crusher was a and I think wasn't thing, there, and like, there was a Avatar. There was a solo one too, right? Wasn't there a yeah. solo one during the peak of COVID? That was yeah. FOMO. Well, that was FOMO. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, like, just to touch on it and put a nail on this with the White Dwarf content is for Underworlds in this style, you don't need the White Dwarf. Right? And that's really what where it lives for me. Like, it's great that you go buy the White Dwarf, you get it today. But let's say six months, seven months, when this copy is hard to find, the deck will be out there. So... And, you know, it's just a deck. It's not a rule set. Um, so you get the extra value. And the other cool thing that I really like about it is because it was designed by one of the designers for the game, you can get a glimpse of his mindset when he was designing the cards. And, like, you know, for example, Stagger Tokens or Hunter and, and um, Brawlers. Like, it's kind of like there's synergies in here. Like, oh... Yeah, that's why this card lived, and then you could score this card. For example, because this is where we'll jump into our top three, and this is not one of our top three. Out for the count is a uh, is a hybrid objective. Score this in the end phase that each surviving enemy fighter is staggered, or three or more enemy fighters are staggered. Um, like we would never play that card, ever, like. Stagger doesn't get put out there uh, all that often, but in this deck, there's a lot of ways to stagger people. So, yeah, it's cool just to see to get that little glimpse of what what he may have been thinking when he was designing um, 
the cards and then putting them into a deck. So without further ado, Rivals format, Maze Breachers Rivals deck. Jared, what are our top three objectives? You can start with the first one. What do we what are we looking for our opening hand? Yeah, so um based on the design of the deck, the kind of the playstyle, the theme that goes into it, there's a lot of interaction. Contest of equals is easily the surge that you want in hand going into your opening round. Um, so it's a surge objective. Score this immediately after a failed attack action. If the attack roll and defense roll have the same number of successes, and it is clarified that zero is a number. So if I whiff on my attack and you whiff on your defense, this card scores. If I roll a single success and you roll a crit defense, this card still scores. So um, there's going to be a lot of interaction when you're trying to do everything else in this deck anyway. Um, and also, for anyone that isn't familiar, Contest of Equals is super popular in uh, the championship format. So, so much so that it's restricted. So yeah. it is a, it's a card that sees play in just about every deck. Um, so it is... I can squeeze it in. Yeah, yeah. It'll be one. Uh, it'll be one that you see. One of one of the points here for for the the full objective thing is there's only four surges, so it's four and eight. Um, but these surges are really really solid, so yeah. I don't think it it struggles with only having four surges. Trace, what objective are you taking? Uh, there's some paths that need to be made. So you're make a path. I'm gonna pick make a path. Um, I actually I really like this card, and this card stuck stuck out stuck out to me just from a aggro player's point of view. Um, it says dual score this in an end phase if your leader has one or more charge tokens and is in enemy territory, and one or more enemy fighters is out of are out of action. Um, so at face value, like you would think that this you know it's not great, but um, there's no qualifier on where that enemy fighter has to be when they're they just have to be out of action. So they can be trying to get in your area because we all know that a lot of the a lot of the decks right now want to try and get in your territory and then sit on an objective and then score some glory off of the objective or whatever. So kill the dude and then just use your last activation to charge your leader or Charge your leader the next to last activation and just make sure that they're towed into enemy territory and boom, you've scored this card. Um, yeah. Not all that difficult to do. Um, and I just think it's it's solid and it's predictable. Like you might not you might not score it the first round, um, but if you have it in your hand the first round and you manage to pick off a fighter, you know, all bets are off. I think that you could you could pretty reliably score it. Yeah. yeah. And that pairs well with uh, the one that I'm going to take, and that's Fearless Seekers. I think I've talked about this before on the show. Uh, it's one of my favorite cards in championship format, and it's score this in an end phase if two or more friendly fighters are on a feature token in an enemy territory. Keywords here, feature tokens in enemy territory. So they don't have to be objectives. They don't necessarily have to be gloom. They just have to be a feature token yep. and in enemy territory. So all about placing those feature tokens as uh, the, the game starts and putting them in places where you can just jump on them early and get the benefits of Gloom um, so that your opponent can take you out. Um, and that's just three, like the three objectives that stand out to us. 
um, to kind of get started. Again, the surges are pretty pretty good here um, uh, to get the get the deck rolling and an easy score. But moving on to gambits, um, you know another solid offering of ten gambits. Uh, but Trace, what what one are you taking out of here? Um, the gambit that uh, that really stood out to me, just because, you know, I back in the day, whenever I played a lot, uh, <laughs> you know, moving movement shenanigans were always a top priority. Um, and this, I think that that still holds water, for lack of better terminology. Ooh, uh, so I'm taking rising water. Um, this this card says minus two from each fighter's move characteristic to a minimum of zero in the next activation step. Um, you know, you're really affecting the lag squig here, but <laughs> you know, I think um, anytime you can basically blanket a minus two movement to somebody right before their turn is pretty huge. You know, they you. Because typically, going into somebody's turn, like you start to stack up stuff, right? Like we've all done it, where you'll start to stack cards, you'll stack a movement, you like, you know, um, membranous wings or whatever on there, and just try and get them to plus plus move, and they're trying to get somewhere in your territory to get on an objective or something like that, and you just play this card and you say, eh, you're probably not going to make where you want to go. Um, alternatively, in pre-show, Jared brought up a really good a good point of if you're playing this against Kanan's Reapers and you just blanket minus two all of their movement shenanigans for an entire turn. Um, you know, that's it's pretty big. So, yeah. yeah and the, the, you know, just to comment on that, I think the other reason that this card rises to the top here is the Rivals format. Like, we're not we're not making our own decks. We don't have those plus two movement everywhere. You're yeah. kind of reliant on the fighter card. Trace smirked when I said rising to the top. <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw it. I saw it. I heard I like it. it. I um, heard it. It's just like a whole episode of puns. Um, so, yeah, like I, I will second your nomination for a solid gambit. Jared, what is yours? Yeah, so I think I like Flitting Shadow. Um so choose one friendly fighter or push the chosen fighter. What? Did you interrupt me? No? Okay, gosh. I'm hearing things now. Yeah, so flitting shadow. Choose one friendly fighter, push the chosen fighter up to one hex towards the nearest enemy fighter. Um, I mean, this is good for getting into enemy territory. It's good for getting onto a feature token. Um, I think, you know, in my head, the, the play that I see is that you uh, wait until your opponent puts a target on a feature token and then you attack that fighter drive them back and then push onto the feature token after um but for anyone that's listened to any of our other rivals reviews you know we love pushes so we would be remiss if we didn't include at least one so there you go get that push in um from push from it my, real good yeah push it. um for mine, I, like, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to say there's just a lot of accuracy buffs in here. Yeah. So you have Wedded Blade, which is a reroll. You have um, Unfair Fight, which can stagger somebody um, before 
plus you would be already supporting. Um, live for the fight, which is plus dice. And I want to say there was one more. Brave Companion gives you another support if it's on the attack, right? Yep. Um, so, and they also pair very well with some objectives for having to do certain things uh, and the upgrades. So, um, just a, a tip of the hat or the nomination for the accuracy cards that are in your gambits. You are going to hit, and when we get to what type of play style this deck kind of leans into, that's going to be important. So what's left? Upgrades are left. And we're, I'm going to kick it back to you, Jason. You can throw it right back to me? Throw it right back to you. We've gone first every time. Okay. Turn to go first. Man, now I'm torn to what one I want, what I would like to talk about. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna go probably with not the most powerful upgrade that's in, in this deck. We'll get to that one a little bit later. Uh, but I'm going to go with Master of Shadows. So this one reads, this fighter is a hunter. You can re-roll one dice in this fighter's attack rolls while this fighter is in a cover hex. So the re- reason I like this upgrade is the hunter keyword is added, uh, which can play in to find a path, which is an objective. Um, it also, like, you kind of want to be in cover hexes or gloom hexes or some, something that's out there um, because you're trying to get Fear the Seeker, uh, as, Fear the Seekers as well. So I'm going with that. Nice. Yep, I like it. I'm going to go with Blunt Force Master. Um, as Jason mentioned earlier in the in our discussion, there's a lot of cool ways to stagger people. Um, so this fighter's range one and range two attack actions uh, that target an adjacent fighter have stagger. Um, note the wording there of adjacent. So even if you're range two, you, you still have to be adjacent to that fighter. Um, it says reaction after this fighter's successful range one or range two attack action, push the target one hex away from this fighter. Uh, we have also discussed that we like pushes. So getting, a, um, getting the ability to have stagger on an attack that's an adjacent, that's adjacent to you. And then also, having the, the optional reaction of pushing a fighter one hex is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and then, you know, we'll round out the uh, the upgrade section with, uh, I don't know, it may be one of the most popular upgrades in championship format right now. <laughs> um, it is definitely the most powerful upgrade in this deck. Uh, and it is Shadowkeeper. Uh, so it starts with... This fighter is on guard. Just <laughs> on guard. You charge. Cool. You're on guard. You move. Cool. You're on guard. You're not doing anything. Cool. You're on guard. Um, but it also has a reaction. So after an enemy fighter's failed attack action, if this fighter was the target, was adjacent, and there was one or more crit in the defense roll, deal one damage to the attacker. So. All the yeah. things. All the things. Doing extra damage for making your opponent fail their attack is nice. But really, it is like just being on guard. Because if you can get more than one defense dice, and you're in a gloom hex, and you're on guard, well, now 
uh, everything but single supports is a success on your defense roll. Yeah, it's Pretty super popular out there. And be nice. Probably one of the strongest cards in the game currently. Yeah, so. it's pretty good. Well, good. That's how we're going to start it off with our three objectives, three gambits, and three upgrades. Um, what type of play style does this deck lead us to play? All aggro all day. Punch Agros. that dude or dudette in the face. Yep. That's what that is. <laughs> right in the face. Just not, right in the face. Not in the nether regions. Not in the nether base, no. <laughs> um, and I think the other thing that's worth calling out is it's not just aggro, um, but it's like aggro and you want to live in your opponent's territory. Um, there's a lot in here that requires you to be in your opponent's territory or have fighters in your opponent's territory. Um, so uh, you're going to be moving forward. You're going to be trying to attack as many times as you can. Um, one thing that is lacking in the deck is damage upgrades. Um, and this has an impact on which warbands you choose, which we'll get into that in a minute. But um, it is probably worth noting that most warbands are going to have to stack attacks against their opponents to take fighters out. Um, and that kind of plays into the cards that are available. You have extra accuracy. You have bonuses for support. You have a, you know, you have cards for um, helping move fighters next to opponents and set up supports and all of those things. Um, but yeah, it's just note that there are no damage upgrades. You're not no plus one damage cards in here. So. There are other ways to get damage, and there is plus there is one plus one damage, but it's very um, so. Searing Ink, you can do damage back to somebody, and That's a heroic true. heroic end is a plus damage, but you have to be vulnerable, right, to play it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's probably not going to come out all that often. Um, in rivals, maybe it does because you do get whittled down, but still, to have one health left is is a rarity in this game um you know and you know just to further expand upon what you guys are saying living in someone else's territory you know there's water log map which is an upgrade for your leader at the end of the game if they're in enemy territory you get plus one glory um and this deck only has 16 base glory in it you're probably not going to score at all you're probably looking at 13 or 14 plus your kills so you may need that to put it over the top so aggro is the play style. So what warbands do we want to try it out with? What do we think is going to be successful? So before we move on to that, I have a question. Just as yeah. somebody who's not playing as often. When you look at this deck, do you feel like it reliably scores more glory than the other two previously released Rivals decks? I think it probably scores more than Silent Menace. I think it's probably on par with Illusory Might. And that's largely due to the fact that, like, Illusory Might is all illusion. Like, it, it's, I mean, it's built to do what it does. Um, so so there's some synergy there, right? Yeah. And I think the same can be said for this one. Okay. Yeah, just, I would, I think curious. that's a good, good assessment. The, the biggest thing we're running into in the Rivals Plus format is the essentials, right? Like, how. Yeah. How do we get when you get to take your warband deck and the damage from essentials? 
this where does this one live and really where it lives is the four surges the contest of equals in cold blood reckless swing and unequal contest those are way better surges than what's available in essentials yeah i think the best surge in essentials is branching fate branching fate yeah i mean kind of strong start yeah kind of but kind of kind of like Mm -hmm. it sits in that weird space of if you draw into it after you just killed somebody that just sucks and feels bad in there (laughs) so i think think where it lives you know to to back to your main question trace is illusionary might to me and i know that that is there are other reviewers out there that have said it should be a, a smaller warband i think that deck for me plays well in a larger warband that has expendable fighters that you're leveraging the illusions to run in this one feels like a smaller elite warband deck to me and that's what i really like is now we have two rivals decks that kind of fill that that space for someone that may need a rivals deck yeah okay so here's the follow-up question if you're playing illusory might how many base glory does illusory might have uh 17 great question so realistically 16 let's say we're back to 16 realistically how many glory do you think you'll score on average an illusory might 10 12 Uh, because there's one that you're is a third end phase that you're never going to score so okay okay now for this deck same thing you have 16 base glory reliably i'm getting 12 probably 12 out of this one so yeah, you think this is about the same okay just just trying to offer some outside perspective for people who might be like weighing the two right yeah if you're looking at buying a warband so for example the the new electric boogaloo zombies as i like to call them you pick up electric boogaloo and you're weighing these two options right as it sounds like you don't really like the other one based on what you just said jason probably would play better so illusory might works better potentially with a higher model count warband if you're looking to play the rivals deck and not the one that's in the yeah, boxes the warband yep yeah so just trying to give some perspective for those who might be listening and dipping their toe into it just to give some a little further analysis to it that we really probably haven't gone into before which is what you think that you might score each round yeah yeah and it, and again i think you make a great point there because to play this deck you've now you have three war bands you have truth seekers you have cunning crew and you have buccaneers and buccaneers is probably like one of the the hardest rivals decks to get function and the fact that i now just in harrow deep have this deck to play to segue to the warbands buccaneers on my list yeah i think that this is a better buccaneers deck and then, yeah you're not going to get all the swag counter shenanigans that he likes but i think i can make this and i like there are two weapon upgrades so i can leverage the the noblars and the monkey and the contest of equals you know, in cold blood and uncontested, unequal contest, I'm sorry, like 
he likes those. Fearless Seekers is good for him. Like, I like this deck for, for Rivals Buccaneers player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... I just think it's it's just interesting analysis to, to kind of go through and think. Because, like, when you look at um, Silent Menace, which I know was not really potentially designed as originally a Rivals deck, per se. Um, it just doesn't feel like it is is made with the same mindset in mind as these past two have been. Um, but when you look at that, you're like, how am I going to score any of this? None of it makes any sense. Half of it works against each other. So it's just, just fun to look at, but I, I do. I think black powder is probably a good shout for that. For sure. Yeah. So give me another shout. What I other mean, war any, band we like? Anybody who wants to just be aggressive and potentially can survive. So for those crushes players in the back. <laughs> or, the, or the front, because that's where the crushes live. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we called out was the lack of damage upgrades. So any warband that's got three damage out the gate is nice. So Steelheart's champions. Two fighters with... Two smash for three damage. Uninspired. It's pretty nice. Yeah. And it, that may be where, like, I like I want to play the Buccaneer because he, you know, just got painted back. And I think that for our new players that are out there that have picked up the stuff, this, this deck is good for that. But for me, I've never, you know, that Steelhearts has never been on the board. My really? Steelhearts, yeah. So look there you out. Go. Here it comes. I agree yeah. with that. There we go. But in the pre-show, Jared, you mentioned another warband, and I'm not going to take that thunder because I think it is a great call-out for this deck. Yeah, so there's a warband that's really cool, that's got really potent fighters, but they have an awful rivals deck, and that's the Iron Souls Condemners. So you're yeah, running just... into the same problem. They only have four surges. These four surges are way better <laughs> than the four surges in their deck. And then there's other stuff in here that's really good for them too. Um, the extra pushes, the accuracy, like being able to throw a stagger on. Yeah, I think that they would be a lot of fun. I, th- I think just in general, their their cards and their, their, their faction cards are not great. Like They've got some good ploys. Yeah. Yeah. It's you their can probably deck. hold it's... up three fingers and think about the best cards <laughs> in that set of cards right there. Yeah. Um, probably three fingers, maybe four. Yeah. Yeah. It's their objective deck, in my opinion, that really holds them back. One hundred percent. Yeah. And that's where this is like choice. Yeah. Yeah. So what? I'm I'm gonna throw we one of you guys talked about it earlier and joking. But somebody is sitting on a Molog somewhere. Do you play this deck with Molog? You could. I mean, it definitely brings Molog into the Rivals format um, because he doesn't have his own Rivals deck. And I think anything before this is not great for him. So you can definitely leverage this deck with Molog. The surge is... The problem is, is the rest of his fighters don't hold objectives. So... Yeah, but I don't um, think anything requires you to hold, right? It's just mm-hmm. beyond feature tokens, right? Mm-hmm. Fearless Seekers is on feature tokens. Okay, yeah. And Find a Path is on edge hexes. 
Yeah. No, you're right. So that's you're it. good. So you got accuracy, you got all everything that you can score. Um, oh, the other point is like the weapon upgrades, you could put them on my log, but I don't think he cares. No, um, but he can move people around though. So like if you go back to the card that I talked about, the upgrade that I talked about. Oh yeah, the blunt he force gains, master. He now gains a push as a reaction to his attack. So if Morgok, for example, is sitting right on top of him. He's got two health left. Or whatever. And he's just trying to make some space. He knows he's not going to kill him. But he knows that if you push him back one hex as a reaction after you hit, right? So if mm-hmm. you successfully hit, you push back. You know, you're doing three damage, so you may have two damage left. You push him one hex away. Now he has to charge you. Yeah. Unless he has a push of his own. Well, and so, here's the so let me. I'm gonna jump in. So it says after the attack action. So you could hit him, drive him back, and then react with that. And so now he's two away. So even if he's got, he can't use his push action with a wide counter to get there. He can't use a sidestep to get back next to you. Like it, yeah. I mean, it really creates some space between Balog and and another fighter. Just as somebody who's played that warband. Like it's a different way of looking at it because you can now use him as a control piece and not just a beat stick. Yeah. I mean, it's one card, but it's just something to think about. Yeah. Put a shadow keeper on that bat squig and throw him in a cover hex. <laughs> no, put it on Molog himself. No. Yeah. Don't, no. don't start with that. Is Molog a brawler? Uh, I don't know get the that answer upgrade? to that question. Would, that is like be, the hardest thing surprised. to keep up. I would be surprised if he's not. Because if he is a brawler, homeboy needs some unfazed to get plus one defense. God, you're breaking the game for rivals already. What are you guys doing? Yeah, we got. Um, we got. you can chosen asses. You can take the player out of the game, but you can't take the game out of the player. Uh, no. So Molog's mob has got Batsqueak is flying beast minion. Um. Shroom is beast minion. Stalexi was beast minion. No Molog. Thank the Lord. Oh, no Brawler Molog? Brawlog? Dang. But, yeah, no. No Brawler Molog. Sorry. Brawler Molog? Brawler Molog. Um, Darn. <laughs> just trying to tickle the You know who is a, a Brawler, bit. though? You know who is? Gallinghan. Black Powder. Gallinghan. <laughs> fixed it totally fixed it. fixed it stop stop trying to make um, the authorities happen all right no, we're you, starting to drag i, I, I yeah, welcome you to try i welcome you to try new player rating yeah no no wait so then the other two that we had on here other than Molog, um but i do think that that is a viable option nurgle and the ravagers yeah um, ravagers are probably not going to inspire but four fighters that are pretty beefy um and then jared you asked uh, new player rating and um, I like the deck. I think it's a solid Rivals deck. Um, but I'm going to give it a silver only based on the synergies that are within the deck. So it's not for a new player. I wouldn't say it's the the most straightforward because there are some some objectives specifically that need keywords. Like, you know, In Cold Blood is better if you're an assassin. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure that there is a card in here that makes you an assassin. Yes, Darkening Stone. Um, Darkening Stone and Master of Shadows pair really well together. Now you're an assassin and a hunter, and you're always in a cover hack. So, like, there's just that those type of yeah. those synergies in the deck that for a brand new player, maybe not um, as straightforward. So it gets the silver. Um, but hopefully what came across, I know, you know, we definitely went more in depth than we had in other previous rival decks. Uh, I hope it co- really comes across of how excited we are, um, as a group to have another rivals, um, deck to mess around with, bring back some, maybe some old, old war bands, try out some new war bands. Uh, and thank you, GW, for the additional content that allows me to use my cards in another way. So with that, we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk about all the new stuff. And we're back. And uh, having covered the Mages Breachers Rivals deck, we are now ready to talk about the newly announced Nether Maze, uh, which is going up for pre-order on Saturday alongside the Exile Dead, alongside the Rivals of the Harrow Deep Box. So lots of stuff for sale. Uh, I guess, I mean, really the big deal, the big announcement is we we know what the next course set is. We we know that it's the Nether Maze, and we know that there are K Knight Shadow Stalkers, which is super exciting. Wow, uh, can't wait for. Can them. I just say this might be my favorite box art that they've ever done. It is really good box art. You can totally say that, Trace. I like. They're all good, but this one, for whatever reason, yeah, because it's because it's, pur- it's, it's purple and teal. It's it is got it's, it's purple and teal. It's you. It's got you and Jason written all over it. Right. So it's, good, but it's it, the art is just awesome. Like, it's, and I'm totally fanboying a little bit over it, but it's it's so good. It was, <laughs> it's it, so good. Yeah, it's a it's an excellent color palette, and like the art style is really good. Yeah. I mean, and yep. you have assassin rats and assassin elves, assassin hey. elves. Like yeah. what's not to like? It's super cool. Yeah. So when I'm like, when I'm excited about the, the shadow elves is like, they were really exciting when they came to war cry, but I've never yeah. got to play them. And I know at least here I'll get to play them. Yeah. And that guy with the crossbow is pretty cool. Like a ninja. Like a mask on and everything. Yeah, and then the capes keeping them kind of that that cloaked and shadow kind of look to them, and they are they are very fitting for this setting that is Underworlds. But what are your thoughts on the? So this is the first time we've seen a second seasonal starter set. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's nice. That we're getting more boards, like than we normally would in a in a. Uh, Jason is no. on video shaking. No, because no. there's always the board packs. There's always been a way that they and and I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah, that's actually because a good that's point. where I was going. Yeah, is in every season they found a way to give us an add-on, whether it was a gift pack, a board pack, a arena mortis pack. They found a way to introduce more boards into the game 
and really you were buying universals and boards for the full game here it's not hidden like it's a starter yeah. set you get just to throw out the numbers because i'm sure there's some people out there oh i gotta start buy another starter set there's 48 universals and 39 grand alliance cards 36 36 36 so 84 yes. that's 84 universal style cards that you're getting in this set with the boards and the boards typically what did we pay for arena morris was it like 40 bucks 40 like 50 something yeah. last time uh, you know, the last one might have been 50 you're right for some boards yep one board one board and oh. some cards yeah yeah cards mind you that have some verbiage that only affect arena mortis that with like yeah, that game the resurrect game. with the resurrect the raise, tokens yeah. and raise stuff token. like that. So arguably, like if you're looking at it from that particular point of view, right? There's much less value in that box than there is in this one. Yeah, and then also the writing got like I shouldn't say the writing, the actions of the cards sometimes got wonky, and we saw some of the most powerful cards creep in from championship from a set that was most likely designed to support the game it was with and the yeah. bolt on was the championship mode um but anyway like i guess my other question as i take over the segment again and just <laughs> push jared out is what are the thoughts on like an additional skaven warband because now that's a kind I of love a- it i love it because before it was more of the traditional like clan rat you had kind of the hierarchy, right? You had your Storm Vermin, which was Scritch. Then you had like a Clan Rat in there. And then you also had some Skaven Slaves. And like one of them was like a, one of them was an Assassin. So one of them was more of like a Night Runner. But this is just a straight faction of Night Runners and Assassins. And it's super cool. Yeah. Um, so you're leaning more into the Clan Eshin instead of like, some of the other clans, I forgot the name. Yeah. And then and there's Molder. Molder is more of like the Rat Abominations. Pestilence is all the Plague Monks. Uh, can't remember the name of it. I'm sure. Skyr is the Engineers. Skyr is the Engineer. The Warp, yeah, the Warp Block Engineers. And then there's one other one, but I can't think of what yeah. it is. But, it doesn't but matter. these are definitely Eshin. Like it's not just leaning yeah. into Eshin. Like they're called out as being Clan Eshin. They're straight up Eshin. Yeah. It's. So. I think. I think I like that it's like assassin v assassin. Yeah. Um, just like a new take on a starter, right? So it was order versus chaos, and then it was order versus spoopy ghosts, and then it was beast versus beasts, and then it was elves versus slanesh. So it's always been like kind of like opposites. Mm-hmm. And now it's just like no, it's like murder people versus murder people. Um, so thematically, I think it's cool. Um, but to get back to your original original question, Jason, like, um, <clears throat> I think releasing a new corset gives opportunities for like rules to be tightened up or different ways to play the game to be introduced. So you could buy the starter box and just play Warhammer Underworlds. Right with yeah. Celestis 
and uh, and Draper's Draper's yeah. Wraith Creepers. Um, but each season introduces a new mechanic or a new way to play. Like we saw cover hexes and delving appear for the first time in Harrow Deep. Um, and I mean, I don't know what's coming in Nether Maze, but like it could be more of the same. They could add something. They could change the way that something works. And it just provides like a, a refresh on the way to play. Can we talk about the purple magic dice? Right. Mm. It's going to be really hard for me to use my Grand Alliance dice when those purple magic dice. Yeah, they're going to roll all crits all the time. I do like the one purple lethal, too. So, like, there's some sort of, like, bubbly thing in there. Oh, yeah, I can't like really some tell, kind of purple smoke going yeah. on in there or something. Yeah, that's nice. I, I mean, we talked about this. We did talk about it before, that the color palette for this season is awesome and these boards like just are visually more stunning than they have been in the past yeah 100 percent. so uh anyway we're talking about the color palette uh in my opinion it, it really is just chef's kiss uh but i do want to walk back talk about the rules uh like we said um, we don't know if there are going to be any core rules updates, but one thing that we do know from the video that was released is that there are going to be new keywords on some cards that we haven't seen before. So, Jason, do you want to jump into those? Yeah, so there's a, a new gambit, uh, Creaking Ceiling, which is a domain. And like this card just reads, each time a fighter is driven back into an edge hex or a hex adjacent to a blocked hex, deal one damage to that fighter, uh, which is cool to get some sort of ping damage back in. But this effect persists until the end of the round or until another domain gambit is played. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, lethal hexes all over the board now. <laughs> and it's funny that they have a picture of a ghost on that. Yeah. <clears throat> How fitting. Well, now that the ghost can take damage from lethal hexes. <laughs> Yeah, and so then the other is a map. So, like, this is a detailed map fragment, and the, it's got a keyword map, and it's, like, action. And I can't wait to get your guys' response on this because as a former Relic player, um, action, gain one spent glory point. Pick one opponent. That opponent can play one upgrade without spending any glory points. Then break this card. Reaction. After an activation step, if this fighter has four map upgrades and is holding an objective, gain two glory points, then break each map upgrade this fighter has. So read that second part again. Read the reaction again. So the reaction is, so you have to have four map upgrades and you Mm -hmm. react after an activation step, right? You have to be holding an objective and then you gain two glory points. And they're not spent. They're straight up glory points. Mm-hmm. So you're spending four and getting two. But that's a reaction. The single spent glory is an action. So you're losing an activation. But you're gaining a glory. Then you're giving your opponent a free upgrade. And breaking the card though. And breaking the card. Like the card goes away. I wonder. If all of the map cards have that same action, because then you could gain four spent glory, but give your opponent four free upgrades. 
The relic act, the relic thing to gain glory was an action, right? It was. But you could do it, it over and over and over but again. You could do it over and over. Yeah. And Ooh. you didn't have to be on an objective. No. No. I mean, the chances of getting the exact four upgrades that you want on a fighter early or in time to like be able to do this reaction seem pretty slim. Um, I do like that there is a like a a cost to doing the action. Um, and I think that there are some people out there that would say that spending an action to gain a glory spent or otherwise might be worth it. It is worth it. Now, what I will say is I like the internal balance on the card, which is you can do this one time and you're done. Yeah. Uh, Which is big because that's something that's been pretty heavily abused previously so getting it one time getting your glory yeah that glory might win you a game but um it's not gonna let you just run away with a game like you can't pad your stats with it so if you're playing in a tournament or whatever you can't just sit there and stack up glory to get your glory diff higher to have a better chance of having a tiebreaker yeah so I like that just from the standpoint of it's a one-time use. And then and within that one-time use, your opponent is getting something out of it. Right? So, like, you gain a glory for free, basically. Break the card. Then your opponent gets to equip an upgrade, which yeah. is nice. That's a, That's a... That still feels balanced to me versus just being like, oh, I'm just going to get a glory. There's nothing you can do about it. And you don't benefit anything. Like, there's nothing you can do. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely more balanced or well-written or game impact more thought out than the relics were. Um, it's, so, sorry. The, the thing that it does is it takes a passive card and makes it interact. Which is what I like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's one use. So, uh, yep. cool. Uh, the last preview card doesn't really add any um, any rules or keywords. It's just a spell. So, uh, Quintox Bubble. Gamut spell on a um, channel. If cast, choose one friendly fighter within four hexes of the caster. Minus one damage to attack actions that target the chosen fighter to a minimum of one. And the chosen fighter has the fly trait, the flying trait. This effect persists until the chosen fighter is dealt damage. So it's pretty cool. It just lasts forever until he's until they're dealt damage. Um, yep. And it's cool to see a spell come back in because, you know, spells have been, there haven't been very many decent yeah. ones. That sounds like a solid one. Yeah, I mean, it's a free, not a free, but like it's a gambit version of a potion of constitution or hail charm or insert upgrade here. Yeah. Um, obviously, it, you know, it goes away once you take damage, but I mean, that could mean the difference between going out of action and not going out of action, like on the last activation, for example, or just going out of action or not going out of action on any activation. So I like it. Cool. 
Well, that's kind of the core set. I mean, we like the models. We like the um, the direction that it's going. Um, you know, there has been a controversial thing out there with a new season starter. There's a lot of people that are worried about rotation. And um, I guess it's a real, real thing um, because we've all we've always seen when a new season comes out. Yeah. that we rotate out the old season and that would be if that holds true so we would just have hero deep and nether maze and all of dire chasm would be gone from championship um i don't it is my opinion that i don't i just don't see that that happening um you know but there's no no official statement as of yet uh, i just don't i mean like We'd have the smallest card pool that we've had since season one. Start of the game, yeah. Yeah, like, and I just don't, I think that given the momentum that is Rivals and the, kind of the, the the focus that is around Rivals, this, st- this season starter sets make sense. It, it provides more jump in points to newer players. It allows GW to just generate more revenue because there's more stuff in the box. Yep. Right. They're going up against numbers from a previous year. This gives us content like we already talked about. Like you're not hiding cards in a gift pack. You're not hiding boards and something else. It kind of lumps it all together. I just don't. It is it is my opinion. I don't think that it's going to rotate out. I think I think that we will see the same progression where these kind of six season boxes um, live and breathe the same content amount is what full seasons or traditional seasons were um and i that actually excites me i did post something on facebook i don't often do that but um (laughs) i you know kind of gave my content of like this really solves a problem that i had with the game like if this turns out to be true i always felt gypped that last warband of the season that came out yeah because they're typically designed in that that season, so they had keywords, you know, Hunter Quarry comes to mind. And <clears throat> that warband only had about 18 months before the new season, or the not the new season, but the next season that rotated the, its cards out came out. Because they would come out, then like two to three months later, uh, the next season would come out and everything was fine. Their season stayed in. Then a year later, the new season would come out. So about 14 months and all those cards would drop off. If this holds true with the four seasons or two seasons a year, and they still want to keep that same rotation. Now that warband that comes out and we'll use the exile dead, right? They're coming out like they're going to get a full two years worth of full season cards. It, and it also allows the game to keep more universals all the time instead of rotating an entire season yeah when that new that you're rotating a half as in season is a season so it's still gonna be rotating a whole season but you're rotating 80 cards instead of two 300 cards wherever we were so yeah 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 i mean i i think i mean really the only thing that we have to go on is history Right. And historically, there have been two years worth of universal cards available in championship format at any given time. And I mean, 
I'm I'm with you, Jason. I'm of the opinion that if they continue in that trend, it will be good for the game. It creates more starting off points. It creates longer lived, uh, you know, functionality for warbands. Um, yeah. Yeah, and to further, you know, double down on the starting points or functionality, the rivals of Harrow Deep. So six months later. They're coming out with a rivals pack that gives you Xandire's Truth Seekers and the Cunning Crew with just the rivals decks. So you don't need to buy any of the boards or the you know exaggerated price to get all the the universal cards. So if rivals is your thing, yep, and you want to get into the game and you want to jump in at this point, you now have a really a much easier way of getting caught up or getting more warbands. Trace like. What are your thoughts? Because you're the you're our rivals player now. Like, would you wish you would have waited to just buy two warbands? No. No? You still want all this stuff? Well, so here's my thing is I just don't think that that's gonna be nearly as good of a value, right? If you're looking at it from a cost perspective, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong. I'll buy one and we'll give it away. <laughs> so the the, la- the last thing we have here, and I know we, Jared and I talked about the electric slide zombies um, last cast, but Trace, you weren't on. You almost just bit Mountain Dew everywhere. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> um, just what I mean, what's your take on on that warband? Because they also come out at the same time. The models, you mean? Yeah. Or just in general? Just like. Just in general. Um, I like. I've I've seen the scuttlebutt around the internet that a lot of folks aren't hugely amazed with the models. Now, what I do like about them is they fall in line with the current zombie aesthetic that goes with the vampire counts, like with the soul blight grave lords that are that are out right now. Uh. They don't have branches growing out of them and roots and headstones stuck to them. So I appreciate the like Frankenstein aspect of it Um, because it's a little twist on the current range of zombies. But what I do like about it is that the vampire that's in there does not look like any of the traditional vampires that are in the game right now. And it's it gives me some strong old school Warhammer fantasy necrarch vampire vibes so you have the blood dragons and like the calistai dynasty is now what they're called but the blood dragons were like your super martial prowess and then you had the von karsteins and then you had the necrarchs and then you had the strigoi and the strigoi eventually became like what is now flesh eater courts those are the same models yeah um or the same style of model like the bestial aspects of vampirism but i really like that this is like a necromancer dark arts style vampire versus the other the other ones that we have currently so i I dig it i like them i think that they're cool they're they're a little static i will say that they're a little static based on Uh, what we've kind of come to 
static. <laughs> Get it. There you go. Somebody picked up on it. But um, they, they look a little stiff. They're not as... They don't have as much motion. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Motion. All right. We're like a that... dead stiff? Yeah. A little stiff. <laughs> oh, all right. The, this segment is dead. Um, no! So with that, that like that's kind of our uh, jumping to Nether Maze that you know comes out in a, in a couple Saturdays here. Yep. Uh, really can't wait. Lots of rivals decks to be played. Again, yes. I'm stealing Jared's thunder. He's supposed to be leading this, but it's fine. I got it's it. Technical difficulties, man. You don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Shocking. Well, no, and I think you know one thing that can be said is that you know in two weeks' time we're going to have our our hands full with three new rivals level war bands to review. Um, so that's exciting slash intimidating. <laughs> Spend another three hours recording an episode again. It'll be great. Yeah, that'll be, uh, I got to get some games in. Yeah. And I think you and I are going to fight about the elves. So, uh, it's fine. I'll play whatever. I'll play rats. Elf on elf, man. Elf on elf, some sweet, Elf action. Elf on elf. All right. So if I'm I'm taking the reins back, and <laughs> uh, that's fine because we're done. We'll end this segment. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll close out the show. And we're back, and that will wrap us up for this, the 37th episode of the Battle Mallet Podcast. Um. You can find us on all of the podcasting apps, although you're probably already listening to us. So I don't know why I said that, but you can subscribe or like or follow or whatever it is that you do on that app. And we'd appreciate it. Uh, we are Battle Mallet One on Twitter, Battle Mallet PCAST on Instagram, uh, and we're the Battle Mallet Podcast on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, you can find us all there. Um, we have a Discord. Uh, the links for all of these are in the show notes, along with a link to a blog post uh, with a written up review of uh, the Maze Breachers Rivals deck. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's all the needful out of the way. Yeah, just a shout out for the Discord, though, because we've had, you know, Gerard the Professor come hang out with us a couple yeah. nights. Um, and then we also had Beard Arm jump in. And, you know, if you're out there, we're typically on about nine o'clock Eastern almost every night of the week. Yep. Um, Pop on in, give us some comments, paint some minis, assemble yeah. minis, just just chat it up. Uh, we love to have people stop in and, and have good old hobby talk conversation. Yeah. Even if you're not hobbying, even if you're like just chilling out at your computer playing some video games and you want to talk to some people, you yeah. know, come come do that because Lord knows I do that sometimes. So True. It's good times. Um, yeah, so uh, we got gaming coming up tomorrow. Trace, are you are you gonna be able to make it out for that no, or no? I don't know. Uh, okay. I hope so. I don't yeah. know. Cool, cool. Um, with Jenny and James being out of town this weekend, it, it may have may affect that. So yeah, that's fair. Family time, it's important. Yeah. So, Balancing yeah. life and games, yeah. That's right. That's right. And Jason, uh, I'm not gonna say anything about your life circumstances because I don't want to jinx you one way or another. So, <laughs> well, tomorrow is purely work. So, okay, I will be uh, 
I'll be out and about four hours away tomorrow yeah. evening in Greenville, South Carolina. So okay, that's exciting. Be safe. Be safe. Yeah. Yep. All that driving. Yeah. So, so um, well, cool. Uh, yeah. So lots to look forward to. Yeah, lots um, to look forward to. And I did forget one thing that I'm just going to give a shout out real quick now because this is a rivals episode. Yeah. Um, huge, huge activity in the UK this this weekend around Underworlds. Uh, it looks like three tournaments, um, definitely two, but to me, like looking on the Facebooks, three. And again, all rivals plus tournaments. Um, so 18 players, 18 players, and 24 players. Um, so. Sure. There's a lot, you know, a lot of talk again on the U.S. side that we're kind of stagnant. Um, but this Rivals Plus format seems to be really taking off elsewhere. So thank you for what you, all those community leaders are doing out there to drive these games. Keep it going and with that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think we have stuff to look forward to, too. You mentioned this before, but with the, the organized play kits coming back, I think there's a good shot that we'll see some organized play coming back in our community and in communities across America. And hopefully Nova will be huge and awesome and overwhelming. Um, so yeah. So I guess that's it. So for the battle mallet podcast, uh, we are three rivals. <laughs> we're now we're rivals. Three breachers. I don't know. That don't, can only get that can yeah. only get worse. That don't, can only get worse. This just, is Jared signing out. This is Trey signing out. You know, this episode has been a maze, a labyrinth, a nether maze. I'm lost. So I'm Jason Table Newberry. And get the hell out of here. Quick. Peace. Battle Mallet Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. It's gonna be a pain in the ass to edit. It'll be awesome. <laughs>